With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Fitsider Radio. This is MC Money. I'm joined by Houts, MD, and Sutton, the creepy soccer dad. And it's been a busy week in the NFL circles. A lot of news coming in. We're going to touch on all of that general NFL talk in just a moment. We are going to talk to you today about the secondary options the Miami Dolphins might target in the upcoming NFL draft. I found out some new information as of the past few days, and I shared with you the other day, and it's in terms of the Dolphins draft plans. I have collaborated with several other sources, and they are all saying pretty much the same thing. Tweeted it out earlier today after confirming with a few people, and that is basically this. The Miami Dolphins would love a quarterback in round one, but they do not think a quarterback is going to be there for them. Their next plan of attack is to target a linebacker or safety. I want to say the safety is the first preference, but I really don't know on that one for sure. It looks like their four targets are Tremaine Edwards, Roquan Smith, Derwin James, and Minka Fitzpatrick with Fitzpatrick the apple of their eye. They want to go tight end in round two. They want to go either quarterback or running back in round three. And in round four, pick whatever one they don't get in round three. From there, they like to build depth. They like to go defensive tackle and fill in other positions around the team for them to move on into the future and try to develop these young studs. Adam Gase talking on WQAM on Thursday morning, talking about the way the culture was built this past year and how he was very upset with the team and how they just didn't turn the corner. He said a lot of the players had swagger, but not not enough of them did. He said uh, some of the players put in the time and an effort, but not enough of them did. And he said that's what led to all this change. Going back to the owner's meeting a few weeks ago, kind of saying the same thing, but in stronger terms, saying the BS that went on in the locker room this past season will not be going on again due to the turnover of the team. Also talking more about how he would love to draft a quarterback in round one if he could, how he would love to get two quarterbacks who can play on the team at a moment's notice talking on Thursday morning on WQAM saying that Ryan Tannehill is above and beyond his rehab right now and is doing a tremendous job at the owner's meetings. Adam Gase said that Tannehill will be at OTAs, will be participating fully, said on WQAM on Thursday morning that they are going to try to limit Tannehill in terms of running and all that other crazy stuff during training camp. But once the games start, they're going to take off the leash and let Tannehill go the only way he knows how. So a lot of information coming out, but again, it is lying season. We don't know. None of us know right now for sure. 100% sure, right? Because we're not in that actual draft room. If the Dolphins really want a quarterback in round one, I've heard they do. Others have heard they do. But again, is that planted information that is coming out to then spread the word about them wanting a quarterback, forcing someone like the Cardinals or the Bills to trade up in front of them to get that quarterback. And you might say, well, how does that help the Dolphins if the Bills, especially their AFC East rival, or the Cardinals, 
are trading up when they're picking behind them anyways? Well, it's very simple. The Raiders, for example, need a linebacker, and they're potentially targeting Tremaine Edmonds. The Bears would love a linebacker. They're targeting probably Tremaine Edmonds. The 49ers need a safety. They could pick Derwin James or Mika Fitzpatrick. The Colts, they need a lot. They can go any route. So you get the Bills and the Cardinals and other teams trying to trade up in that top 10. Well, those teams that are going to take a defensive player that Dolphins may be really wanting all along, obviously then that player gets pushed down to Miami. So the draft is just a few weeks away, about 21 days, three weeks to be exact, almost. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch how it unfolds. And of course, as we get closer and closer to the draft, more and more smoke will continue to come out and fog our vision. And we really won't know until the picks start rolling in. And even then, we really won't know because there is so much more that goes on that we don't ever see and that never happens. But the teams may have been trying to get to happen if that makes any sense. General NFL Talk, boys, how's Sutton? How's your reaction on the trade the Patriots made with the Los Angeles Rams? Yeah, I think we were all kind of surprised. And I remember one of the analysts saying that the rest of the league kind of just sitting back, kind of waiting to see what the Patriots are going to do because I think many of these NFL teams believe that Belichick and the Patriots, they're always one step ahead of the rest of the league. So when you see a trade like this go down, I mean, Brandon Cooks now netted two first-round picks within, what, two, three years? I mean, he, he's doing a new contract, so the Patriots did what they could. They gave up a, a hell of a receiver, but Belichick knows what he's doing. He now has those two first-round picks, and I think they're definitely targeting players. I mean, that defense was atrocious last year up front, that front seven, so they could be looking at a pass rusher. And my biggest fear, a guy like Lamar Jackson or one of these quarterbacks they might trade up for, I mean – it, it, it's going to be interesting. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think it kind of threw us all off guard. We, were, we thought maybe Odell Beckham was going to be that guy that the Rams made a move for, and it turned out it was Brandon Cook. So while the Patriots get weaker on paper, I think in the long run it's probably going to be better for the franchise. And I'm intrigued and a little bit nervous to see what they do with those first-round picks. Yeah, I, I echo your sentiments there with the Patriots. And for the exact reason that you mentioned personnel-wise, they just always – seem to be able to squeeze every drop out of a player that they have. So um, you have to like the roster decision there, but uh, I guess you don't really have to. That is the Patriots. So um, it was crappy move, but uh, I was just thinking about how the Rams have kind of, they, they've gotten Sue, you know, they've gotten Marcus Peters, so I believe they've used their what first, second, fourth, and fifth round draft pick. Man, this is a this is an aggressive move, and I don't know how that's going to work out. I think a lot of people see the splashy moves and really buy into it. And now that a little time has elapsed, and I don't I don't think that's the best way to build a roster. I think they're going for a win now. They're only going to have a year or two window right here. Sometimes that's all you need in the NFL, but man, there they, there's some strong teams, strong young teams in the NFC still. You know, with the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, uh, can't ever rule out the Green Bay Packers. So it's, I don't know, man. At the end of the day, I don't really care though, because I really just like to follow the Dolphins. I don't really care what other teams do. 
The Rams especially are in a peculiar situation going all in, it seems, round, uh, year one or year two, I should say, of the Sean McVay era. But for one year, they're going all in. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Remember when Philadelphia several years ago put out the dream team, many people were calling and they struggled mightily. Uh, the NFL is a team game, and if you're not all on the same page, you are not going to succeed no matter how talented you are. We've seen it many times with the Dolphins. We've seen it many times with other teams. We've seen teams like the Patriots with far inferior talent do a lot more based on their team chemistry and the way they work together. I honestly don't see it happening and working for the Rams. I think they are jumping the shark a little too soon. I think they are blinded by last year's success. Um. You know, and it's not, I don't want to compare it to Miami because I don't think Miami would jump the shark and was blinded. They were blinded a little bit in the sense that they thought Jay Cutler could save the season, but they weren't blinded so much that they went out and tried to go all in to win a Super Bowl this past season, like the Rams are doing. Uh, remember, the Rams had a last place schedule, they had a new coach, they had a new defensive coordinator, they had a, a lot of mystery around the team in terms of how they played and how they executed and so forth. So, you know, adding great players like Indomitian and Sue and Marcus Peters and Brandon Cooks, that's great. But when it comes down to it, how many games did Indomitian Sue win Miami? Not many. Um, is there any doubt in my mind he's going to play phenomenally next to Aaron Donald? No, there's no doubt he is going to do just that. But is he going to help the Rams, let's say, turn the game around? Uh, I don't know but that's why they play the games. I think they're not going to do that well or as well as people are thinking they're going to do, but we'll see how that plays out. Titans uniforms before we move on to the Dolphins and the draft. Your reaction, I'm not a huge fan of the numbers. I like the helmets. Uh, I thought this was a great chance for the Titans to rebrand with a new head coach and a second-year general manager, but I think they kind of missed the boat on this. Sutton, what do you think? Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I thought the numbers were a little bit I don't know, trippy looking, and I, I don't mind the navy blue helmet. I think that's kind of a cool variation there. But yeah, the, the numbers didn't do it for me. Curious what the Dolphins are going to unveil on April nineteenth. I think I speak for everybody. Just give us a throwbacks call it a day and watch the merch dollars sky through the roof. Yeah, I thought the helmets were sick. I. Heard a lot of people giving them, you know, kind of shitting on what the Titans did there. And I think that the rebrand, it's it's something that you want to see from a team who, you know, the last few years may not have really lived up to expectations. And you're trying to move forward with a new look and a, a rebrand. So, I mean, for me, I, I do agree the numbers, the pointed edges, things like that. I wasn't a huge fan but when it came down to the color scheme and those helmets were slick as hell. So, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of the Titans. I mean, you got Marcus Mariota, you got – uh, you got Deion Lewis now, Derrick Henry. They had pieces there, and uh, I think it's going to be cool to see what this new age of Tennessee Titans can do and and hopefully, you know, do enough in the AFC South, but not enough to uh, overshadow a team like the Dolphins, who, I mean, they've struggled against the Titans. So no matter how nice they look, I still hope the Dolphins go out there and whoop up on them. Uh, real quick with what Sutton said about the Dolphins rebrand, everyone wants to see the throwbacks. Uh, even if they just, you know, use that color scheme and even we use the throwback jerseys and went with a, a different colored helmet that kind of goes back to that 70s look and keep the logo the way it is. I mean, uh, we all love that older logo, but I don't think Miami can change it this year. So if, if we could get those throwback colors, anything, a little homage to the, to the old Dolphins teams, I think that's what we'd all kind of want to see. 
yeah, they cannot go to the old logo, but what they can do, like you said, um, they can go to the darker colors, which I think may be happening, but then you run into the issues of your seat colors and the stadium colors all in the aqua-ish color. So who knows? We'll have to see. All right. It is time to dive right in to the Miami Dolphins draft. And if you have not been paying attention to my Twitter feed, you will have noticed or you wouldn't have noticed that I am running a Twitter mock draft. And it's an idea I just had out of the blue one day. And we are right now, as we speak, I am ready to post the Dolphins selection. So you have, uh, by the time this airs on, when we post it up on Saturday morning, the, the poll will be over. So hopefully you are following me on Twitter, but, uh, the choices for the Dolphins are quarterback Baker Mayfield, safety Derwin James, defensive tackle Maurice Hurst. And I'm having trouble, boys, on the last one. I'm thinking about cornerback Denzel Ward. Uh, or should I put someone like uh, offensive tackle Connor Williams? Should I put someone like defensive end Harold Landry? Or maybe an offensive guard Isaiah Wynn? What do you guys think? I think you go Ward if those are the options you're kind of torn with. I think he's the best cornerback in this draft, in this class, and I know that's not quite the biggest need here for the Dolphins, but if you have a player, uh, a lot of people compare him to like what Marshawn Latimer did last year in uh, New Orleans. So, I mean, he, he's a hell of a player. He would lock down the other side of the field opposite of Xavier Howard. So, I mean, for me, that would be the guy I'd throw up in there, but we all know who's going to win this thing. It's, 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 not, even a, it's not even a contest. <laughs> no. I want to say that the people who were voting um, <laughs> were uh, purposely doing it so Baker Mayfield would fall to this spot and they could all pick him. But I'm going to post this up right now, and it's going to be up for one day. So, again, I'm, by the time this podcast releases on Saturday morning, the poll will be over. But go check it out. I'm running the entire first two rounds of the draft. Uh, fans vote on who they want to pick for each team, and it's been really fun thus far. I just got to keep remembering to post at least two draft picks a day. All right, let's jump right in. The Dolphins are looking at cornerbacks or and safeties and linebackers in round one with their preference leaning towards the hybrid position, and that's why I'm going to jump right in with safety Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama, the number one ranked safety and cornerback out of pretty much every single draft Nick out there. Overall rank, according to NDT scouting, is number seven. And a lot of uh, a lot of draft Knicks have him in the top ten. Interesting thing, though, the draft analysts, some of the bigger names, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, for example, have mentioned that they believe that Minka is being overhyped on Twitter and, and with the local independent scouts. And in the NFL, he will maybe drop out of the top ten. And if that happens, I do think the Dolphins will pounce on him. Hell, there's even been talk about them trading up to get Minka Fitzpatrick if their quarterbacks are not on the board anymore. So we could be seeing that as well. Minka Fitzpatrick is the ultimate guy who can change this entire defense. Born 1996 from Alabama, Adam Gase said at the owner's meeting, he said he wants to get guys that he can set and forget. And what does that mean exactly? That means that they, he wants guys that can come in. He gives them the playbook. They coach him up. They go out on the field, and they do their thing. They leave the field. They go into the classroom. They do their thing. They leave the locker room. They go home. They do their thing. The Dolphins don't ever have to worry about what they're doing, where they're doing, when they're doing it, and they are committed to football 100%. 
And when you talk to Minka Fitzpatrick, that is exactly who he is. He can play all over the field. He can play in the box, out of the box, up the box, on the boundaries, in the slot, in center field, and can disguise the coverage in every what way. He is filled with confidence. He is he is mean. He has a mean demeanor. He can set the tone for the entire defense. He is a big hitter with the new NFL rule about lowering the head. That might impact Fitzpatrick's play a little bit, but we'll ha- he'll have to adjust just like everybody else will in the NFL. Great speed, great feet, uh, really good for his size and length. Six feet tall, uh, 201 pounds. 40-yard dash, 4.46. He can jam the guy at the line of scrimmage. He can play zone just as well. Like I said, he can be moved all around the entire field. And his ball skills are tremendous. Uh, The best in the draft, actually. Quick reaction and hand-eye coordination allows his hands to get on the balls. And according to Kyle Krabs of NDT Scouting, prevents them from getting eaten up. Kyle says soft hands and good ability to finish turnover opportunities and a violent hand swipe to break triangle of receivers hands. Mika Fitzpatrick is the ultimate example of a prototypical hybrid secondary player and would be a tremendous fit for the Miami Dolphins. When he played in college, according to pro football focus, they're at Alabama coached by the great legend, Nick Saban, who we all certainly love, right? One of the greatest Miami Dolphins coaches in NFL history. Just kidding about that, of course. Amika Fitzpatrick was a dynamite player for Alabama. And when you saw Amika Fitzpatrick on the field and matching up with somebody, you knew that he was going to shut them down. Some say that Josh Jackson rivals Minka Fitzpatrick right there with him. But many, like I said in the beginning, they believe that Minka Fitzpatrick is the top player in his position by far and one of the top players in the draft. His 2017 college grade, according to PFF, was 84.8. Now, here's the thing. I said he can be moved all over the field, right? But if he gets to a team where they put him in at one position, let's say the boundary and the perimeter, guess what? He only played 13 snaps there this past season for Alabama. Now, if he wants to cash in at the NFL level, he is going to need to become an outside cornerback. But are you going to get a team that plugs him into a square hole? Or are you going to get a team that can use in the right way like I think Miami will? Here's an impressive stat. He wasn't beaten for a reception longer than 31 yards in 2017. He allowed an NFL passer rating of 83.5 on 61 targets in 2017. But just one season before that, the stat was 37.8. Now, people sometimes compare him to Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey can play anywhere, including perimeter. There are questions of whether Minka can play on the perimeter. We'll see how that shakes out. Another thing, though, with Minka and all players from Alabama is that they sometimes peak out in in college. And when they get to the NFL, they don't peak anymore. They don't develop much more. But given Gase's and Saban's great history together, I think this is just a perfect fit. Now, how do you disagree? You think the Miami Dolphins should go after Derwin James with that first pick. Well, um, I don't want to say I disagree because I agree with all your opinions, and I do believe that Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, he's a true free safety in my opinion. Like you said, he can play the nickel. He can play on the outside. He can just be utilized in ways that no safety on this football team can, and the things he can do in coverage is incredible. You touched on the the Nick Saban and uh, Adam Gase 
history together. It, for me, I'm not sure Mega Fitzpatrick will be there, but if he is, I think that's the safety the Dolphins have to get. He's up there with Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, as the top player that I want to see the Dolphins get because of what he can do that some of these other safeties can't. And then you you mentioned Derwin James, and that's what I'm going to talk about here. I mean, the, the guy's an animal. The, the biggest knock and the thing that I think I'm the most hesitant about is that he's just he's another strong safety. He has that same mold as TJ McDonald and Rashad Jones, but he's better in coverage. So I mean, what are you going to do when you have three uh three safeties that ideally would play strong safety in in most defenses? Uh, what what do you do in that situation? I think that's where Minka would be different and kind of fit this defense better. But Derwin James, I mean, he's better in coverage than I think Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. Uh, he can come down and cover. He's a hell of a box safety, comes down and can stop the run, blitzes like no other. I think pro football focus had him ranked their number one safety uh, in the draft this year. So, I mean, he's a hell of a, a playmaker. I'm not sure. Again, I it's hard for me to say what the Dolphins should do here because he's a playmaker. He can fit so many different roles and he can allow you to do different things with TJ McDonald, but allow him to rover around a little bit more. But again, he's best suited as a strong safety. Uh, what he did at the combine, I mean, I think that's when people started to really take notice to Derwin James. He ran a four four seven. Uh, his mock draftable, spike, his webs like almost completely filled in. He, he's one of the the best safeties in this class. I mean, he's been compared to Eric Berry, uh, T.J. McDonald, guys like that. That it's just it, it, he would just be a ball player, and I think that he does things that some of these other players don't. So if you have a guy like you say Raquan Smith goes and Minka Fitzpatrick goes, and that comes down to Derwin James and and Tremaine Edmonds. That that right there is going to be a tough decision for the Dolphins. And I think a guy like uh, Derwin James gives him the versatility, move him around as a chess piece, allow him to line up at nickel, blitz blitz the quarterback, and and ultimately just play deep if, in this offense. I mean, or in this defense, you got three safeties that can pretty much they're interchangeable out there. So for me, if you can't get Minka Fitzpatrick, I think Derwin James is one hell of a consolation prize so you guys took the two i think clear-cut best hybrid type players that we could take in the secondary uh how it's you mentioned derwin james being a strong safety but being better in coverage so i think that does increase his versatility a little bit compared uh, to rashad and to tj um so i think you still can classify him as a hybrid player even though minka's probably fits the mold a little bit better but if we are going to stay at 11 i don't like the value of some of the other uh, potential draft uh, players that would be available at 11 now if we end up moving down then that opens up a different conversation where you might even consider someone like denzel ward and being here in Buckeye country, I'm able to watch the Buckeyes every Saturday and Denzel Ward and, and really all number one cornerbacks that play for the Ohio State program. And I, obviously I'm admitting my bias here, but number one cornerbacks for Ohio State tend to translate pretty well into the pros. And he might be on a little bit more of the smaller side compared uh, to some of his cornerback predecessors at Ohio State but he he's going to have a high floor and he's going to play sound technique and he's going to be able to play man and zone and so you could see some value there once you get into maybe the late teens somewhere in there I'm going to focus on more of a day two guy 
And this is a guy might be available bottom of the second, top of the third. So maybe we're looking at using that 73rd pick that we have in the third round, the ninth pick in the third round. And I'm looking at Mike Hughes from Central Florida. Now, this would go against the Miami Dolphins fetish. And what I mean by that is they tend to draft cornerbacks that are six foot to six one between 195 and 200 pounds. You got Tank that plays on the boundary, 6'1", 196. You got Xavier Howard, 6'1", 196. You have Lippett, who breaks the mold just by two inches. He's 6'3", he's at 192. You got Jordan Lucas is at six foot, 202 pounds. So what I'm looking at, and I, I like the competition at boundary cornerback. I don't think we're necessarily set there uh, because we have an incredibly young cornerback group. I mean... I want to say, I want to say, Walt Aikens, even if you consider him a cornerback, would be the oldest member uh, of the cornerback group, and he's 26. So I don't know. There's always room to add a vet there, but we're a, an extremely young group, so competition might just be the best thing to get a, at least a diamond or two, hopefully, to emerge from that group of four. And so what I'm looking here. Instead of adding a fourth boundary cornerback, I want to add some competition with Bobby McCain. And Bobby McCain is, has become a very respected member of this defense and one of the young players that's really embracing his role and trying to take on a leadership role from what I've read during the offseason so far. So this is in no way a slight to Bobby McCain. But I want to look at someone like Mike Hughes, who's built more like Bobby McCain in, t- in terms of Mike Hughes being 5'10", 189. He's different than some of the boundary guys that we have because he's got quick feet and he's got the change of direction stuff going, which I think is a problem for Xavier and Tony sometimes are those those routes that happen right in front of them five yards within the line of scrimmage. They're a little bit better at the intermediate, deeper routes. They have good ball skills, but they don't necessarily have the quick twitch yet. Uh, at the n- near the line of scrimmage to get to those quicker passes. And I think someone like Mike Hughes gives us a little bit more versatility in that cornerback group. And, and God forbid what, you know, if Bobby McCain went down, there's, I don't see any uh, really viable depth there at nickel cornerback. And we all know how many uh, times, Defenses are lining up in a three-cornerback situation, so we need some depth there. It's no no question there. Mike Hughes, he also he has man and zone capabilities, so this is not a guy that's going to – he can go in and really adapt to any scheme. Now, he's probably a little bit better in a man situation, but he does have capability in both man and zone. He can play at the line of scrimmage because he's a fiery competitor, so – Previously, you know, in the AFC East, we had Randy Moss. We were defending against uh, bigger wide receivers that we had to worry about. Eric Decker was here. Um, so we're, we're going against bigger wide receivers. And when you look at the AFC East landscape right now, is there a wide receiver in the AFC East right now that really scares you to death? That's like 6'5 and 230 and runs a 4'4. Four, four? I, don't, I don't see that guy right now. So No. We, we can increase the versatility of this group by adding someone like Mike Hughes and uh, get some value there in the, in, uh, with a day two draft pick. Now, Sutton, we know that there are obviously other options, and we, as we have been doing the past two weeks, we've focused on about six guys. 
because otherwise we could be here for hours talking about everyone. So are there any other guys real quick that could be possibly in play for the Dolphins in either round one or early round two? In my opinion, no. Uh, they, they could go, and we might talk about this later in the show, or we could get to it now. One of the questions we had from the Finsider mailbag was about Jackson from Iowa and thoughts on him in the second. And what immediately jumped out to me was, and I just talked about the cornerback fetish that we have, is he fits that fetish to a T. He's six one, or he I'm sorry, he's six foot one ninety-six. So he's the exact same weight as Avian and and tank, but just an inch shorter. So he fits the size speed thing there. He's got the ball skills too but he doesn't have the change of direction kind of like Xavier. so I think if you want to draft another Xavier Howard and add that type of player to the competition there, I already mentioned that better competition is hopefully going to uh, make the cream rise here. Uh, so I wouldn't be opposed to it. I would just personally prefer uh, to have a different skill set in that group. Okay. Now, the next guy that we're going to talk about here is Ronnie Harrison, cornerback from Alabama. And, yes, I'm picking another Alabama guy because of Gase's comments at the owners' meeting where he said he wants set it and forget it guys. And the guys from Alabama are very smart players. They play in a pro system, and they know what they're doing when they get to the NFL. NDT ranks Ronnie Harrison as a seventh overall safety, overall ranked of 86th throughout the entire draft. Now, Harrison is not a cornerback, but he can maybe play up in the box. He is a very good player when it comes to covering tight ends. He has the length to play and is physically capable of playing uh, coverage on the tight ends up the seam. He does have good speed when blitzing the quarterback, able to turn it into that second gear. Now, his weaknesses, according to NDT scouting, include the fact that he's a little bit grabby and a little overly physical at times and kind of keeps his eyes on the ball too much of the time. So he will need to be developed in that sense and really get back down to the fundamentals of playing tight coverage without getting too grabby. Kyle Krabs of NDT Scouting also says that he's a nasty hitter as a downhill plug player. He will jolt the, jolt the ball carrier with hips and pads aligned to target, slips and slides off of tackles when trying to wrap up with just the upper body or attacking the ball laterally late, and needs more upper body strength to finish reps. He is a smart player. He is uh, very polished in the back end. And he's very capable of closing to the football with enough suddenness to challenge throws and holes against his own that according to Kyle Krabs. So it sounds like, you know, Harrison is a, is a tough player, a guy who's going to hit the ball carrier hard like me, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick with the new NFL rule that might play against him. But as I said before, everybody needs to adjust his grade back in 2017 was an 84.8. He struggles with shifty slots and horizontal roots and man coverage. So in terms of turning and flexibility there, he's a little off. So he's a little off in that sense. He will need to get quicker on his feet. And there is no uh, doubt in that. And once you get to the NFL, the strength and conditioning coaches will certainly help you turn that away and get better at that. He has good size and physicality, just like I said, to to play tight ends and, and cover them. However, for every good play that he has, he's going to have an ugly play as well. Um, He's a little inconsistent in that sense. He needs to find better consistency. But as the season went on last year, he did get better. I mentioned he has good speed hitting it into that second gear and coming off the blitz. 
in terms of his instincts, in terms of his football IQ, it, it is it is up there. When you watch him coming up to the line of scrimmage, trying to time that snap against the quarterback's cadence, you will notice that Ronnie Harrison does it better than most at his position. Some say, at least pro football focus says, that he has the potential to be a dime linebacker at the next level. And that would tie into the hybrid player that Miami is looking for. Again, not a cornerback safety duo, perhaps, but a safety linebacker duo, which they may actually prefer more than a cornerback safety duo. Good player in the run game. He has a run stop percentage of 6.7 when lined up in the box, ranked 10th in the draft class. Pro Football Focus says that Harrison does his best work closer to the line of scrimmage, where he can cover bigger receivers and finish plays against the run. They also go on to say that he has an excellent feel for the game from understanding his own coverage and timing blitzes, though he has his limitations when playing deep safety. PFF concludes that he can fill multiple roles for a defense, and then a coordinator playing to his strengths should get a very productive player. Harrison projected by some to go in the late second round, early third round. The Miami Dolphins may have to make a move for him if they want him. I'm not sure if he's going to last to number three uh, pick, number 11 overall. Obviously, second round, number 11 overall is much too early to pick him. So we'll see how the Dolphins play that out if, in fact, their target is Ronnie Harrison. But Jeremy Reeves, another player next to the University of Alabama, south of it, south Alabama. Sutton, what are your thoughts on a guy like Jeremy Reeves? He was a player that stuck out to me. And let me kind of give the backdrop of what I would like to see. Uh, if we do make an investment in the secondary, what I'm thinking and just trying to connect some of these dots from the off season and wanting more of a linebacker safety hybrid or, you know, a cornerback safety hybrid type player to add versatility to our defense. And I think one thing that's going to allow us to do that and Houts kind of alluded to this in the beginning of the show, when he was talking about TJ McDonald and Rashad Jones uh, being similar players and I'm thinking if we can get that center fielder uh, free safety type, that would allow someone like Rashad or TJ, who both already have experience and production playing near the line of scrimmage, to see them in that role. And then we're putting the center fielder playing uh, that, that deep middle. And uh, Jeremy Rees was one of those players that I thought could fit that mold, although it would It would take some time just because I I think value-wise, you're looking at a bottom third round, top of the fourth round there. So uh, maybe we're able to get him with one of those two fourth-round picks that we have. Uh, But he's a – what you want to see out of a center fielder is to have range and to make sure he's a sound tackler because you're the last line of defense there. He's a good tackler, so you can kind of cross that off the checklist there. He's got versatility, so he can – play in a nickel position and just like Mike Hughes he can play man and zone and he's a fiery competitor and he's he's a fearless player when you watch him on tape uh, and I'm I'll admit that I have not watched any South Alabama college games I'm taking uh, some of the work that we've been analyzing over time here uh, but what you see is a fearless player now one of the uh, downfalls to someone here in the in the second day of the draft is he's not he doesn't quite have the wingspan that you'd like to see so the length there is a little bit questionable and he can kind of get 
boxed out uh, by tight ends. So um, you're not looking to bring him down into the box a whole lot. But again, he'd be filling a, a niche of center field. And I think he is one of the best candidates in this class uh, to become a, a deep center fielder. And I, I, I think that's something the secondary could use and we could get some good value there if we were able to get him on day two. Now, how's coming after off Derwin James who was your first uh, round pick selection, although you do like Minka Fitzpatrick as well. You have another guy who the, you think the Dolphins could target in the third or fourth round, and that is none other than Isaiah Oliver from Colorado. And I say none other like everybody knows exactly who this guy is. So for the vast majority of people who don't know who he is, give us some light on him and how he – can possibly help the Dolphins. Yeah, one of the main reasons I was kind of led on to Oliver was because uh, one of my followers, Billy M91, I know he kind of tags us in some posts when he sees things going down. I know Miami had a pretty, pretty vast majority of uh, you know defensive coaches there at, at Colorado's Pro Day, and they were they were definitely checking out Isaiah Oliver. Uh, Sutton's touched on it a few times throughout this this podcast but I mean the Dolphins they do and many teams do have that kind of uh prototypical kind of corner they're looking for I mean Oliver's six foot one 195 pounds he's had great success at Colorado uh pro football focus has him great at 85.3 for 2017 and he's just a tall physical corner that uh in my opinion seems to fit that Xavier Howard mold and I'm not quite sure that cornerback, like we've all touched on, is Miami's greatest need. We got guys like Tony Lippett coming back, by McCain, one of the better nickel corners in the NFL. But uh, the Dolphins are definitely doing their due diligence. And in today's NFL, you really can't win without a secondary that can shut down the opposition. So uh, Isaiah Oliver, like I said, tall. He kind of fits that mold that the Dolphins are looking for. He He's had success at Colorado, and I think he can do it again in the NFL. I I do think he has all the intangibles. He can be a little bit handsy. He can kind of, you know, slack off in the run game. I know he's not very good against the run. He kind of just stands there and occupies his space. But when it comes to being a bump and run, lockdown cornerback, that's what Isaiah Oliver is. He obviously has to continue to progress in the NFL. And like any of these prospects, they just got to continue to own their craft and get better as the days go on. But I think he has all the potential to be one of the better corners in the NFL. And for a day, two or three pick, uh, I'm all in on Isaiah Oliver. All right, so there are our six guys, and, and of course throwing in a few other names in there as well. So let's go back to the beginning. After hearing everybody talk about their guys, now Minka and Derwin are the targets at 11. Mike Hughes will be the target in the second round. Houts, who are you going with? Are you going with Minka or Derwin at number 11, or are you waiting until the second going with Mike Hughes? For me, I think Mink Fitzpatrick's the best defensive back in this class. I think he has those ties with Alabama, Nick Saban, Adam Gase, and what he can do in the deep in the Dolphins' secondary, allow those two strong safeties, Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald, kind of rover around and create those mismatches up front. Uh, I honestly don't believe Mink Fitzpatrick's going to be anywhere near number 11. I do think Derwin James is more of a realistic target. But, again, he fits that same mold as Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. So it's up to me. I want no player in this entire draft. I mean, Mick Fitzpatrick's on the same level as Baker Mayfield. I think what he can do for this defense uh, will set the Dolphins up for years to come. So uh, I want Mick Fitzpatrick. 
All right, son, how about you in that first round there, or we wait till the second? I'm going to go with Minka Fitzpatrick. I, although I like Mike Hughes as a player, I would prefer to keep the second round open for a tight end because tight end's a pretty big need in, in my worldview. So I want to keep – I'd like to get one of those top tight end targets, and I think they'll be available in the top of the second round there. So I, I'm going to go ahead and go Minka. I think he offers the most versatility out of those – three players uh, probably has the most talent. Although you could make the argument that Derwin uh, is a more talented player, but make a filled a bigger niche and what we need in the defense. And I'm going to agree with you as well. I'm going Mika Fitzpatrick and that seems to be our first round pick. Now, if the dolphins don't get Minka or Derwin or Mike Hughes, and we threw out three other names. Ronnie Harrison would be a uh, trade down in the second, trade up from the third. Jeremy Reeves would be a third rounder. Isaiah Oliver, late third. Uh, probably not last until the fourth. Would have to be a trade up from the fourth. Would have to be a trade down from the third. Where are you going, Sutton, with one of these guys? I'm going to stick with my guy, Reeves. Although it, you always have the concern coming from a small program like South Alabama to the big leagues. It's certainly been done as well. Uh, and I think for the reasons I mentioned earlier, what he offers in terms of being a potential center fielder for this defense to open up some players we already have on the roster, I think that might be worth a, a day to investment there. So I'm going to stick with Reeves. All right, House, how about you? Yeah, I think I saw some mocks that had your boy Ronnie Harrison uh, mocked in the first round, late first round. So, I mean, if that's a talent you can get in the second, I definitely think yeah. – that's the, that's the route you go because, again, I think safety is one of the biggest needs on this team, uh, right up there with tight end and, and linebacker. So for me, if, if you can get a guy of Ronnie Harrison's talent, you mentioned it earlier, the Alabama ties, I think you run to the podium with that pick. Yeah, and like I said, I don't think he's going to be there in the third round. I think he's going to be – I think he's too rich for uh, second round number 11 overall. We have seen many reaches before. I think it consists of a small trade down in the second to get him. At least that's where I'd feel comfortable with getting him. And, of course, I'm going to stick with my guy, Ronnie Harrison. So looking back at the last three weeks, boys, and next week we'll tackle another position. We started off week one with the uh, linebacker crew. We agreed that Roquan Smith should be the pick. At least Houts and I did something said that Tremaine Edmonds should be the pick. If they don't get a linebacker in round one in the early round in the middle rounds, they should look at Shaquem Griffin or Sky Moore, which is what Houts said, although Sutton and I voted for Griffin. Last week, we talked about tight ends. We agreed that Dallas Goddard would be the number one pick for the Dolphins in the uh, second round. We said the first round was too rich. And if they didn't get him in the second, then looking at the third or fourth, Mike Jazicki from Penn State. And today, of course, this week on Finsider Radio, Minka Fitzpatrick and Ronnie Harrison. Sutton, anything from the Finsider Radio mailbag before we wrap it up? No, we touched on it. Uh, the Finns had the question about Josh Jackson, and we kind of talked about his potential fit and how he fits that uh, fetish that the Dolphins have. So he could certainly be in play. Just might want to look for a little more versatility there in that group. Okay. And the poll right now, as it stands, and again, we record this on a Thursday evening. We release it on a Saturday morning just because of the weekend, and it seems like we've getting really good numbers on the weekend, thank you to the ever-increasing crowd that comes and listens to Finsider Radio. We have increased our listeners over the past several weeks by a wide margin. 
And we hope that we can continue that momentum as we move forward into the draft, into the rest of the offseason, and then, of course, into the NFL season. Right now, as the poll stands for the Finsider Radio Mock Draft on Twitter at Kanata NFL, the Miami Dolphins right now are choosing between, and actually I had to take it off. Denzel Ward, I didn't realize, was already taken earlier by another team. So I had to redo it, and I ended up putting up Baker Mayfield. I put up uh, Harold Landry, the defensive end. I put up Vita Villa, the defensive tackle, or Vita Villa, however you say his name. And then Derwin James is safety. So as it stands right now, 214 votes, 23 hours left, 68% for Baker Mayfield, 25% for Derwin James, 7% for Villa, and 0% for Landry. I think, boys, that Baker Mayfield is going to be the winner here. Yeah, that seems like the easy choice. Uh, did anybody, either of you guys, see Vita Vey's full name? Like, I think next yeah, week, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> maybe we should each take a stab at how to pronounce that because that was that was insane. I think that is actually a really good idea. <laughs> All right, anything else, boys? Before we wrap it up, yeah, I just I'd like to um, thank Houts for probably getting us all fired for beating Kevin in the Twitter tournament today. Oh yes, thank you for mentioning um, <laughs> that. There is a fantastic Twitter tournament. It's like a Sweet Sixteen uh, Twitter tournament. Someone started it up. I'm trying to find his at right now. Um, someone I never think, heard of before, actually. Diego actually airs. Yeah, yeah, at yeah, Diegoville. Yeah. Uh, give him a follow. Check him out. He did this really cool bracket. Got a lot of, of the Dolphins Twitter talking, talking trash to each other. Uh, I'm in it. It uh, looks like I'm going to win my first round matchup. Sutton, unfortunately, looks like he's going to lose. And then Houts looks like he is going to beat up our dad, the, at the Finsider. And uh, Houts, it looks like I'm looking at the bracket right now. You're going to be going up against... Rob Profit breaking down film. So good luck there. I'm going to be going up against Maddie and Fonte. That's going to be a very tough matchup. And hopefully we can both keep advancing. And if we get to the finals together, then you're then going down, win. dude. You're uh, going I down, think, dude. I, I think if I beat Kevin, I should get the sole ownership of this website, <laughs> correct? And then we can just take but, it over. So let's start a petition. <laughs> let's start a petition. Yeah, we're playing. All right. Picks. That is going to be it this week on Finsider Radio. We thank you for listening. For Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, and House MD, I'm MC Money. We'll talk to you next time. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one.
Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.